You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the New Testament book of Matthew. Here's Nate. Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now at the end of chapter 23, Jesus had said in verse 38 that the house there in Jerusalem would be left desolate. And so perhaps there was a question in the mind of the disciples and sort of looking at Jesus and saying, hey, listen, you're saying that the house will be left desolate. You've spoken of the destruction of some kind of temple previously. Uh, he was indicating his own body at that particular moment, but you've been indicating the destruction of a temple. You're talking about the house being left desolate. Look at these buildings and look at these great stones that have been heaped up and look at the magnitude of what has been built. And the temple, of course, was a very impressive structure. And uh, Herod had built it up into something quite powerful and wonderful. Technically, this was just the second temple, Solomon's temple, having been destroyed by the Babylonians. And this temple uh, rebuilt during the era of Ezra. But Herod came along and remodeled this second temple in such a glorious way that you would almost think of it as the third temple. Many of the stones covered in gold or in marble. And Jesus prophesies here in verse 2. He says, not one stone will be left upon another. They will all be thrown down. Now, this prophecy from Jesus, we know from history, was literally fulfilled in 70 AD. The Romans invaded as Jerusalem was rebelling against them, and uh, the command was given to attack Jerusalem. They burnt the temple, the gold melted, and in order to retrieve the melted gold, they had to topple over each stone in order to retrieve the gold. And so every stone of this temple overturned. And even to the present day, as I'm teaching this message, the temple has yet to be rebuilt. And so this would be a shocking prophecy to the disciples. Now, in verse 3, it says that as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Now, Mark tells us in his gospel that it was Peter, James, John, and Andrew specifically who asked these questions. And the questions really are twofold. When will the destruction of the temple take place? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And it's likely that the disciples at this point in their understanding thought they were asking Jesus one large question. Uh, but most of the chapter actually deals, it seems to me, with the second and third question, briefly with the question of when will the temple be destroyed and 
mostly with the question of what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And I believe that there's a huge gap between uh, the destruction of the temple 70 AD and uh, the actual return, the coming of Christ. And so Jesus is going to answer these questions dealing with the second coming of Christ and the end of the age. And so Jesus answered in verse 4 and said, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. And so Jesus lists a couple of signs that will become more prevalent and apparent before his return. One being that there would be many who would come claiming to be the Christ. Now in this internet era that we are living in, it's quite easy to get online and discover many examples of people who actually are making a literal claim to be the Christ. Jesus returned in the flesh. But then there's probably also just the spiritual realm. Many who come saying, I am the Savior. I have the message that can save. Competition with the message of the cross, the message of Christ. Secondly, he says there in verse 6 that there will be an increase in wars before the return of Jesus Christ. You remember that initial question. And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so when you see an increase in wars, Jesus said, do not let yourself be troubled. Do not be alarmed. These things must take place, but the end is not yet. And I find it fascinating that we live in a time where the world seems to be littered with war and embedded in turmoil leading to war. He says in verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And so, uh, once again, nation rising against nation, uh, the war kind of mentality. We see much of that in our modern era. But then famines, you know, and so many people in the world living in a state of famine, living in a condition of hunger. You've got sicknesses and diseases, earthquakes, he says, in various places. And, uh, you know, I'm a Californian, so I'm very familiar with the damage that earthquakes can produce. And he says these are but the beginning of the birth pains or the beginning of the sorrows. Personally, I believe that when you read Revelation chapter 6 through 19, what you're reading are the, the real birth pains, the real uh, terror, the real difficulty, the time of Jacob's trouble, the 70th week of Daniel, the great tribulation. These wars and famines and earthquakes, they're merely the appetizer to the main course of God's wrath that will be poured out upon the world, especially during a final seven-year period of incredible difficulty before the coming of the Lord. Then, verse 9, they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. 
and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. So it seems that persecution, tribulation, persecution for the cause of the gospel will increase before Christ returns. And secondly, that there will be a falling away, an apostasy that increases among, among named believers before the coming of Christ. And I'm living in an era where I'm watching and seeing tribulation and persecution and difficulty and the killing, the imprisonment, the persecution of Christians seemingly increase, as well as a temptation to apostasy, which I think is connected to the persecution. People start seeing persecution. They start seeing tribulation for the cause of Christ, and they begin to bend their beliefs, compromise the scripture, and fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. And many false witnesses, verse 11, many false prophets, excuse me, will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, verse 12, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So again, Jesus giving details of what it will be like before and nearing the second coming of Christ. First of all, many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. There will be many messengers who have great success with a message contrary to the gospel. Verse 12, there will be a lawlessness that increases and the love of many will grow cold. There will be an abundance of sin and rebellion and backsliding. Uh, they can't, people who can't handle the trials and the difficulties and the persecution. And Jesus says the one who endures to the end will be saved. In other words, in their own life, if they can handle that persecution and that tribulation, then what you've got is a person who's truly been born again. They are saved. And Jesus announces that the gospel, verse 14, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Personally, I don't believe that what Jesus is saying is, we must evangelize and preach to every person on the planet before Jesus can return. I believe that he is going to preach uh, through witnesses, through an angel in Revelation 11 and 14 to the entire world. But we're called to be busy about preaching the gospel, making disciples of all nations. But the testimony will be given to all nations, and then the end will come. So, Jesus says in verse 15, I mean, these are horrible things that will be precursors to the second coming of Christ. Remember the question of the disciples, when will these things be? What will be the signs of your coming and of the end of the age? What, what will it look like? What will it be like? Well, in verse 15, we have a trigger to this end time, this great tribulation that is coming, the time before Jesus returns. He says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee 
to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray, verse 20, that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now, no, and never will be. And if those days, verse 22, had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now, this, of course, is a very Jewish paragraph from a Jewish man named Jesus speaking to Jewish disciples there in Jerusalem, quoting the Jewish scriptures, especially from Daniel the prophet. And he speaks there in verse 15 of an event that the Jews will, I believe, in the future witness in Jerusalem called the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Again, it's a very Jewish passage. He says, those who are in Judea, let them flee to the mountains. Those who are on housetops, that's a very Jewish kind of experience, having a place to actually stand on the roof of your home. Uh, the Sabbath, he refers to in verse 20. The elect in verse 22. These are very Jewish kinds of terms. And I think what Jesus is referring to is all the way back in Daniel chapter 9, uh, there's a prophecy that Daniel received concerning the 70 weeks or 77s, a 490-year prophecy. And it seems clear from that prophecy that when Jesus was revealed in the temple on Palm Sunday, 483 years of that prophecy had been fulfilled. The Messiah would then be cut off by the people of the prince who is to come, cut off by the Romans. But there's one final seven-year period of time, it seems, that God is going to once again turn his attention upon the people of Israel. And my reading of the book of Revelation is that there will be a future period of seven years where God is going to directly relate to human beings here on earth in a more direct way than he has for thousands of years since the cross of Christ. And really, in one sense, in ways very similar to the way that he related to human beings during the time of the Exodus uh, there in Egypt, very directly involving himself, bringing plagues and judgments upon human beings. And it seems to me, in reading the book of Revelation, that many, many Jews will come to Christ. And I believe one of the reasons for that is because they will rebuild a temple. There will be a man of sin, an antichrist who comes, who eventually goes into the temple and demands to be worshipped as God. That's what seems to be referred to here in verse 15 with this abomination of desolation. And I don't think that this was just some Roman figure in 70 AD, partly because of what Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 in describing this man of sin and what he would do and go into the temple and demand to be worshipped and proclaim himself as God 
one of the responses to this man is that the Lord Jesus would come and kill him with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. And Jesus, when he described his coming, it was always very visible, very obvious, and that is not what occurred in 70 AD. So I think that the Romans there in 70 AD, when they did destroy the temple, it was perhaps a foretaste of that which would come. But I believe that these prophecies from Jesus are still yet future. And Jesus is saying, he's kind of looking at these Jewish believers, skipping over the Gentile age and saying, hey, at the end of this Gentile age, I will turn my attention to the Jews once again. And when you Jews see that abomination of desolation, you see your rebuilt temple being defiled by this man of sin, you need to flee immediately. Pray that it's not on the Sabbath. Pray that you're not pregnant. You need to flee because it's a time of serious danger for you. So Jesus said in verse 23 as a warning, he said, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. In other words, when Jesus returns, it will be a very, very public event. There might be people who, like the priests back in Egypt during the times of the Pharaoh with Moses, they might have demonic power to perform signs and perform wonders. Jesus says, do not follow them. My coming will be like the lightning shining from the east as far as the west. Very public, very visible. He says, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Wherever, verse 28, the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. And this seems to be a reference to the aftermath of the second coming of Christ. When you read Revelation chapter 19 and you see the second coming of Christ, the birds of the air actually called together to eat the flesh of those who tried to fight against Christ and died in that failed attempt to battle him. Immediately, verse 29, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. There will be, as Zechariah had prophesied in Zechariah 12 verse 10, a weeping from the nations over a realization that they have rejected the Messiah. And there will be a gathering of Jewish believers and other followers to himself in that tribulation era. And Jesus Christ will visibly, publicly 
return. Now, personally, I believe that the church will be absent during this time, present with the Lord. I believe we will all have already have been called up to heaven to meet the Lord in the air in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And that this is a moment where Jesus's attention is focused upon the judgment of the world and dealing with the people in the nation of Israel, fulfilling his covenantal promises to them. Now, from the fig tree, verse 32, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so Jesus uses the fig tree as an illustration. Now in Joel chapter 1, Hosea chapter 9, and the book of Jeremiah, the fig tree is used as a picture of the nation of Israel. And so Jesus says, listen, you know, when you see a fig tree and you see that its branch becomes tender and you put, it puts out leaves, you know that summer is coming. And so Jesus said, hey, the same thing is true when you see these things taking place. You see these events coming to pass. You know that my return, my kingdom, the end of the age is coming. When you see all of the troubles, you see the false claims to be Christ, you see an increase in, in wars and rumors of wars and nations rising up against nations. When you see these elements and these events take place, you know that it's near, that it's at the doors, that, it, that his return is coming soon. There should be an anticipation, I think, in this modern era from believers for the return of Christ. And he actually makes a promise, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And so, of course, this has sparked a great uh, debate on who is Jesus referring to when he says this generation will not pass away. I mean, we've seen the nation of Israel reborn, revived, coming back into the promised land. There they are existing today as a nation, even though for hundreds and hundreds of years, they did not exist as a nation. There they are back in the promised land. Are these the leaves and the branches that we should be looking for? Well, I think that the generation is simply just the Jewish race. I don't know that it's one particular generation of the Jewish race, but just the, the Jews themselves, they will not be annihilated until all of these things take place. They will never cease, in other words, to exist. But we will, as they say, find out eventually. The Lord will fulfill his promises and all of this will be clear to us, much clearer than it is today. But concerning verse 36, the day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. 
And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And so Jesus announces, listen, of that day and hour, uh, no one knows. We can perhaps discern the times. That's what he's encouraging us to do. He says, you know, when you see the blossoming of the fig tree, when you see these signs coming to pass, you can have discernment and anticipation. But the actual day, the actual hour, the actual moment that his return happens, no one has any business making that kind of prediction. And unfortunately, so many people over uh, church history have tried to predict the date or the hour or the time of the coming of Christ. It's one thing to say, gosh, it just seems like his coming is near. Look at all of these signs. Now, that's a healthy kind of thing for a believer to do. But to say, on this particular day, Jesus will return. Jesus announces, no one knows that day and hour. Not even the Son, the Father only knows that day and hour. It'll be like the days of Noah. There will be this surprise return. People will be caught in their sin. And it will be, in one sense, for many, a horrible moment. He says, verse 40, then two men will be in the field and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill and one will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. There's to be this vigilant readiness for the return of Christ. But know this, verse 40, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. I think Jesus here is speaking and ministering to his disciples, giving them advice on how to live this life. This is really the thing that we need to absolutely apply. There are many things in this chapter that are difficult to understand, difficult to know. But one thing we know for certain, we are to live a watchful, expectant kind of life. And for me, I love to live a life that expects and believes in the possibility of the imminent return of Christ. That at any moment, he could call me home to be with him. And no matter what your eschatology might be because you understand that the human body could expire at any moment well you can live with this same brand of vigilance and watchfulness expected that at any moment any breath could be your last and you could meet the lord face to face who then verse 45 is the faithful and wise ser servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. And so Jesus here is giving a parable concerning faithfulness and wisdom in this life. The master is gone. He's entrusted his possessions to his servant. But when the master returns, will he find a faithful servant? If that Wicked servant, verse 48, says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. 
The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and in an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus speaking of profound judgment. Unfortunately, many people think that the long-suffering nature of God and Christ, the willingness to be patient with mankind, they interpret that to mean that he is not going to return or that he approves of their behavior. Now the day is coming where the master will return. May he find us as his believers faithful, serving him, obedient to him in this life. Watch and be ready. You do not know what hour your Lord is coming. God bless you. And amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.